Okay, welcome back to another episode of Pieced Off, the official podcast of Fantasy Ski Racing here. And ski racing in general, the sport, the whole ski racing. I feel like it's fun to talk about picks. It's fun to it's fun to get on that jive. Um, it's also very time consuming. And you know, basically, I just want to cut to the meat of it. I, James Taco Totkus, joined here by Joe Dunn. Joe Dunn. Joe Dunn. Joe Dunn. Uh, something interesting popped up on social media today. Joe, tell me more. So I'm flipping through Instagram this morning, and Steve Nyman posted uh, a uh, call to action, a fundraising campaign to send the kids to Davos. So that's sending our world junior team to Davos, Switzerland. Um, they're looking to raise, it looks like, 10K. They'll be matched by the T2 Foundation. But, uh, I mean, if we're fundraising... And crowdsourcing to send our world junior team to to a race that, as Steve Nyman put it, propelled him onto the world stage, and you know uh, would put River on pace for the world stage. And I don't know, it just, it just seems crazy that we don't have funding within our our ski team organization, particularly in an Olympic year, to get the kids to. The world juniors. Well, that's part of it. I think, you know, because it's an Olympic year, a lot of funds tend to go towards that, uh, the, the big shows, you know, that big show path of, you know, oh, we need two more weeks in, in Chile. We need, uh, four more, four more days in Austria to, you know, in a super expensive lane space or something like that. I mean, that's tends to be where the money goes. And usually after an Olympic year, Mad cuts get made. Money just like depletes. Teams get smaller. We shrink, and then we try and rebuild. Funding gets you know, with less a new, with a new pool of athletes. <clears throat> but I, I guess I guess it come right back to you. I mean, we're talking about twenty k here, and uh, I don't know. I, I just don't understand how we there, there can't be twenty <laughs> in a year where we actually typically have more money than usual. How we don't have. 20k set aside for that and correct me if i'm wrong but outside of olympic medals our world junior medals have been stacking up so when does that when does that start when does that what's the value on a world junior medal now well it's obviously not much because what was it three four years ago paula moltson was the world junior slalom champion yes and the ski team wanted to cut her I mean, where what what happened to the value in, in winning that race and, and proving that you belong on the center stage? And now we've got a world junior champion three years out racing for UVM. Mm-hmm. And, and and winning at UVM too, like she still got it. She's a strong, powerful slalom skier, and we just we walked away from her. Yeah. You, I mean, I know we're on this this subject of, of funding right now, but you just brought up a kind of a something that that to me sounds. I want to kind of take this in a completely different direction. What's up with like like guys are getting cut from the national team, going to college, and then in college getting World Cup starts? You know, you, you got Mark Ingle, Sam Duprat, Brian McLaughlin. You know, they, these guys are like, okay, Agreed. hey. You know, thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate your time. We, you know, appreciate the, you know, the the years of uh, that I've had with you. And I'm going to go to college now, get it paid for. It. Oh, 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 wait, hey, did you want to race at Solden this year? Well, 
it, it, it's the thinness that we have at the ski team level, right? Like that, it just shows how thin our GS team is that we've got to pick kids out of college. But is or is that is that are we doing this out of default because we have to, or is it are we doing this because um, these guys are actually you know get it becoming that like is the college level actually becoming are we acknowledging college as the actual development level now i know we still have the university team but i don't know if i can still buy that as an as a actual excuse sure well okay the college level is is, is a very strong level obviously i mean life racing on the world stage norbotten racing on the world stage uh, who else you got in there? They're consistently making second runs. Dave Chudunsky. Okay, so I think it's a proven model, even though some people will say it's not proven because other than life in his third and world championships, there aren't those like, big-time podium marquee victories. Right. But in my mind, those are professional ski racers, and I respect the hell out of them. So, you know, what does college offer you? Uh, one of the big things to me is that college has professional weight training coaches mm-hmm. that are there for a long time, Right, it's not mm-hmm. like this continuous rotation of strength coaches and physios that the ski team has. You've got, you know, strength and conditioning coaches at D one schools. You know, it, it, in Utah, it's a Pac twelve school. The, the Utes, they're training a, a national caliber football team, training your ski team athletes. Right, right. And when I was at UNH, we brought in a, a new strength and conditioning coach uh, my first year there, and he you know, was exercising us, was lifting us, getting our legs strong. And then he came out and skied with us and actually got on the hill. And it was hysterical because he wasn't that good of a skier. <laughs> um, and saw what we did and saw what we're all about. And, and he just said right away, like, oh, I got to change this. This is, this is, we got to do it different. And we did. And we, we really focused on muscle endurance and we changed the game and our team just exploded. And I think it was, you know, in a large part due to a better strength and conditioning program. Well, you also talked about somebody who had enough experience with it to begin with to have an open-mindedness to to want to evolve, to improve different aspects of, of his organization. A true pro. A real pro. You know, not somebody who was just looking to bolster a resume so that they could go get a job at, at, at a better paying place. Yeah, but if that better paying place is the Cleveland Cavaliers, I mean, can you blame them? <laughs> Not at all. But I mean, we're, this is a world uh, world organization, right? The mm-hmm. U.S. Ski Team. Like, mm-hmm. let's bring in somebody that is top notch, that wants to be there, that's going to be there for a long time, and pay them for their services. Yeah, for sure. You know, and then, and then your results are going to come from behind that, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think. Um, you know the, the the young gentleman that we have uh, hired here in Sun Valley. You know he did his internship with the Mogul team, but before that, got all his undergrad hours with the Oklahoma State football team. So, I mean, here's somebody who clearly knows how to build muscle, knows how to build strength, but now is, you know, exposed to uh, skiing not necessarily alpine enough to get his to change his mindset and now uh with the help of the the guys we previously had in place you know we're seeing programs shift quite a bit into that muscle endurance that uh and trend that you know has kind of been around for about six or seven years now and the only person the person who really kind of kind of made that me aware of that was ted 
Because I felt like he was the first first person I, that I noticed who was like, you know, instead of doing a set of 10 squats, you put the timer on for a minute and you do as many squats as you can inside of a minute. That was a GS race. Exactly. Exactly. True, true sports specific muscle building. Well, you know, Versus I don't... just let's get the max squats up like crazy, get huge legs and go for it. Right, which is probably you know probably the misconception of all of us, even even as young athletes in the sport, you know, younger on, didn't realize oh, core stability is probably more important than anything actually. Um, True that. <laughs> um, all right, Joe. I'm sorry. Let's go back to let's get back on point here with with money. I feel like we could be we could be talking sure. about this for for months on end, and um, there's nothing wrong with that. But you know, maybe maybe my morning commute right now is only uh, twenty more minutes. <laughs> sure. Well, you know the the US ski team criteria was mm-hmm. published at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. and well, one of the highlights for me, or I don't know if it's a highlight, but um, A team is set at top twenty five world rank, and Dave Chudunsky, and maybe we've talked about this already, but Dave Chudunsky is is ranked twenty seven, twenty eight, and so he's out. This is a professional ski racer. This is a guy that consistently makes second runs. This is a guy that like has been fourth in a World Cup, and we're saying we don't want him. And, and in that criteria, they say flat out they're only interested, in, the U.S. ski team is only interested in podiums. Why top That's twenty? It. Why top twenty-five? Why was it? Was it? Was it? When wasn't top thirty? When was top? When did it be top thirty? Not become a thing. I'm not positive. The only thing I can think is that um, top 25 make World Cup finals. Oh, there you go. That's that, that's easy. That's an easy answer. Sure, but still, I mean, top 30 is top 30. Like you, you have less than six points. Yeah, which means any day, any day, you have a chance to actually pop one in there. Your start position is secure. You're never starting outside the third. Yeah, uh, you know the other thing too that this, this is just kind of baffling is the fact that Megan McJames is still an independent athlete as well. This yeah. is our probably second, the second, third best GS gear in the country. Who would be who would be in between her and Shift? Do you think for GS? <sighs> Uh, I think Mangan on a good day. You know, some of those younger girls, Nino O'Brien, some of those. Yeah, girls, I'm not. I'm not. They, I, they, I, go, they go out and compete with her for sure. Yeah, I love. I love where your head's at, but I mean, McJames has scored World Cup points. I mean, she's like, you know, it's been a little touch and go here and there, but she's definitely at a point now where she's definitely established herself. I'm not going to take. I'm not taking Mangan. I mean. If I've got an extra spot, I'll take Mangan. Trust me, I believe in those girls. I, I think those girl, what those girls are doing right now, it's fantastic, and, and it's something that we definitely need. And there's some great young pace that's coming to the table right now. But in terms of veterans that are like, you know, putting pieces together, I mean, you know, I mean, Racy's only got one podium. Sure, sure. And, she's, and, and, and Racy, you know, is a consistent top 20 skier in the world cup you know but uh, the u.s ski team criteria of only interested in podiums they don't want right here 
So then, what do we, what do we do? What what is this? What is their value in the U in the World Juniors then? If we're not se- separating funds to take care of this event, I mean, is this is this a flaw in the the, the in the financial structure? I you know I, I guess finance has always been a problem at the U.S. ski team level, right? I mean, we've been talking about competitive ski racers being dropped. Um, from the C team and, and, and B team for years, right? And, and well, this goes way back to the beginning, man. Like this is this is this is a conversation every single generation has had. People too early. Say it again. The complaint's always been that we drop people too early. So then, what right? do you don't, do? Then, don't then, let the development system play out. And then, so what? You just you just throwing shit against the wall until something sticks, or do you count on them going to college and then and then once they develop in college, then bringing them back into the fold? Well, now I think we've we've created a route for the college piece, which I think is is one of the few bright spots in our uh, development system that that is being recognized a little bit. Now we can send people. We don't have to spend all the money as a organ- U.S. ski team organization developing them. We can go let the the U uh, the U the Utes or CU or DU or UVM or UNH or even Dartmouth develop our athletes, right? Which I think is a great thing. Well, and here's here's the other the other component about about this that makes it interesting is that college college coaching is not necessarily development coaching. They're more or less managing an elite squad. <laughs> the recruiters yeah, they're they're managers. I mean, there's a couple. I mean, there's some programs that pride themselves on being development programs, but they're still. I mean, the ones that come to mind still aren't the ones that are at the top level. So what you what you really end up having is a lot of peer to peer coaching mm-hmm. and a lot of peer to peer development versus, you know. I'm the coach. You got to, you know, stack the hips more in the transition. Um, more separation at the top of the turn. The conversation is is pretty light between I, I, between athlete and coach. Whereas, and, and a lot of the development comes from athletes sitting around in a dorm room talking, watching their video together. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's where college has a big benefit is that it's athletes taking ownership of their own career. It's, it's maturity. In an athlete, because um, you're really doing it for yourself, and it's that kind of mentality and that kind of ownership of, of yourself that propels you to the highest level. I mean, look at Ted, right? When he really took ownership of his training program and said, "No, this is what I'm going to do," and, and didn't just buy into the regimented. Okay, this is where our blocks are. Right. Um, Michaela, same thing, right? She's completely in charge of her training. Lindsey Vaughn, completely in charge of her training. You don't get to be, in, but you also don't get to be in charge of your training until you've got something under your belt to, that says, "Wait, you know, that separates yourself from what the the rest of the pack is doing." Sure, which is where you look at the college athletes; they have that opportunity to a lower level. <clears throat> you know, I also kind of think about going back to this conditioning thing a little bit. I think, like, you know, like the men's speed team has had uh, Tony there, the Austrian who. He worked with the women's, uh, the Russian women's soccer, came back, worked with us. He's, he's been touch and go with us. I don't know if he's still there right now. I haven't had a conversation with like Nyman or anybody yet this season, but, uh, and I know that he's been on a different game plan to begin with. But you got a guy like uh, Josh Applegate who's, 
you know, tried to absorb as much as he can from that program to replicate what that guy was doing when he wasn't there because they they knew that it was working or at least the guys really bought into it enthusiastically. And, you know, I think on some level in a sport like this, whether you're doing something wrong or right, if you believe in it and you're enthusiastic about it, then that is right. That's just, I mean, it's just that simple or just that lighthearted where, you know, as long as, as long as you think at the end of the day, you feel excellent, more confident than ever about what you're doing, then that's what you got to be doing. Yeah. So, uh, but at the same time, you know, if you want to, one of the points, what, what draw, drew me to start talking about this, going down this path that we're on now is that, well, why not just invest more in Josh Applegate? Because he's, he's clearly, he's a guy that's been kicked around enough times and wants to, clearly wants to be there. Because he's still there, and he's done. It, he's doing these things to, to uh, um, like absorbing and trying to understand and try to make create his own version of this higher level training that brought the Stoke to that men's speed team. So, like, that's you know, is that is that is that one avenue? Or am I just touching on just like a small piece of the puzzle here, or what? I think you are, it's a small piece of the puzzle, but it, it you know speaks to the greater philosophy now. I don't specifically know every physio's name and every trainer's name over the U.S. ski team. I purposely just kind of back away from that. I'm not a, a jacket chaser in that regard of, oh, who's there now? Um, but what I do know is that in the last, oh, God, it seems like 10 years that the U.S. ski team for the junior ranks has changed the physical testing protocol every other year and and so much so that that now it's you know we're looking for data we're trying to figure out where, how our junior athletes are coming up and what makes a good ski racer in terms of physical testing standards and and um numbers and we keep on ch- changing the protocol every other year to how can you, you can't have data if you don't have consistent data sets so it's a little bit insanity what we're doing there so really what i'm speaking to when i talk of of the, the physio and the lack of consistency would be my personal experience with this lack of junior testing protocol that we see year after year. So you think it's it, that we have different bodies coming in going, no, 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 it should be like this. Or when I was working with blah, blah, blah team, this is the way we did it. I firmly believe yada, yada, yada. That's exactly what's going on. Well, I mean, it's and some level too, though, um, there is, I agree that we do need to, there needs to be some kind of set standards, but at the same time, it's like, you know, Brandenburg was saying like one year, all he did was train for a vertical leap. All he did was just train to improve his vertical leap, which is an outstanding thing to train for. And I would say if there's any one thing you could train for, like that, that's probably going to be the game changer because vertical leap, it clearly uh, identifies explosive power. And, and the that more, being said, the current U.S. ski team junior testing protocol does not include a vertical leap. Wow. <laughs> yep. Stand and jump? Uh, there is a triple, there's a broad jump and a triple jump. See, but I feel like at some point, like, you know, you take, you take, you take a, uh, like a vertical leap or you take a standing jump and that's. That that to me feels pretty raw. The second you start throwing in like a triple jump, now you're talking about training technique, like a track. You know, you're going to a track coach, 
or, or track and field coach to, to train for these things so that you can improve on those things. And I mean, granted it's ski racing. I mean, it, it doesn't, you could do, as long as you're doing something, you're training because dry, dry land training, let's just face it is everything. It's like, you know, every, anytime you, you're working on a high performance mindset, you're, you're training for ski racing. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, um, but how does this idea, this idea that you start training for the test versus conceptually becoming a good skier, like, you know, this philosophical minded person always gets a B and in and, and school. And then someone who's always, you know, striving to be, get A, studies that much harder for the test, for, for specifically the test versus trying to understand the concepts, doing well enough where they feel satisfied with it and moving on to the next thing. What else can I learn? Mm-hmm. You talk about that last 10%, that last 10%, are they train? Are they, are they there because are they getting to that next point because they're just training for the test? Or are they getting there because they can just absorb all this information? Mm-hmm. You know, the same thing. And I would think the same thing of, of athleticism where it's, it's like, are you training just to pass a, a physical standard or are you training so that your body is more prepared for, let's say holding a tuck, through Bormio or something, you know, and how sure. do you, and how do you measure So what's, what's the measurement of that? I don't know. And I think that, you know, there was a time, a pretty healthy stretch there where, where our speed teams were doing a really, really good job. You look back a few years ago when the women's speed team and still for the most part is actually doing a tremendous job. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And they got young blood coming doing in a really doing good it. Job. We're hit hard right now with, not even being out and Ganong just getting hurt super hard but Bryce Bennett I mean he's skiing great well that's the thing too though I mean you you know I think the beginning of this season it just kind of showed you A the the value of Nyman's presence but B um, you know I think these young guys who've always been the young guys who aren't young anymore like um, you know Jared Goldberg he's in his late 20s now Bryce Bennett he's getting he's in his mid late 20s now like now it's time for you guys to step up, and you guys got to be the man. And meanwhile, the whole time they've been in Ted Bodie's shadow this whole time, and now it's like there's no shadow, guys. It's time for you to be the shadow. Yeah, and those guys have you know those, Bryce Bennett's a great testament to the U.S. ski team sticking with somebody. You right. know, I think he was a discretion pick for maybe the last two years, maybe even three. Right to stick with the ski team, and, and it's just paying off right now. It clearly is going to continue to pay off. Yeah, but how do you determine? How do you decide to stick with Bryce Bennett versus David Shadunsky? That seems good. That's where it seems crazy to me. Right? You know, we built a new criteria. We said we're only targeting podiums. Shadunsky, you're out. Bryce Bennett, we got a few more years invested in you. Let's see if you can get to the top. Versus just sticking with Dave Chanonsky, being like, here's a pro ski racer, let's let's go. Come on, you're, you're our guy. Come on, you know, wrap your arm around these young guys and, and get them into the second round too, please. Yeah, it's almost like it's a, it's almost like we've already – I mean, that's how Brandenburg got cut. It's just like, hey, we've already put enough money into you and you haven't materialized yet. I mean, they are investments, right? They're investing in metals. Yeah. But there has totally. to be, there is, but there, but where our discussion creeps in, where everybody else is and everyone on the side of the hill keeps in is that are those wholehearted moments where, where you have to be so passionate about it just to get to that moment where you can call it cut and dry because it isn't cut and dry, it isn't cut and dry when you're talking about development. We have to no. be way more sensitive than that. Mm-hmm. No, 
and I think there needs to be room for discretion. I, I, I firmly believe that. I understand that you want to have criteria out there and that you want to make it as objective as possible. But, you know, you can look at somebody and say, well, there's a ski racer. There's a winner. And, and if, if you've got that a good instinct in that as a coach, well, you can go pretty far. You know, um, right? let's see here. What do they call It's called Project 26 or something like that. Uh the email came out via Tiger Shaw uh, earlier this fall, and I immediately sent an email to Chip Knight asking him a little bit more about this, and his response was incredible. So apparently we're stepping away from this idea of having an actual D team and putting more um, putting more weight on the clubs. The direction of the national team and the governing body right now is to put more weight on the clubs to do what they – for us to do – Things at a higher level, putting pressure on us to become a pseudo, you know, development national program. And so that immediately said to me, like, okay, so what does that mean? Does that mean coaches' education is going to come back stronger than ever right now? Because it's been a few years since I've seen anything that has been, you know, enthusiastic, that I've been enthusiastic about that's come from that area. You know, I mean, um, for what it is, I felt like, you know, that level 300 academy for a lot of years there run by, you know, John and Ron were, were, was incredible. Whether you like agreed with them or not, they still got great coaches in a room together mm-hmm. and it's coaching, no matter how you look at it, is an apprenticeship for sports. So I looked at, so I I'm, I'm going, okay, so is there going to be some sort of formatting or direction coming from the, the governing body going, Hey, this is, listen, we're going to st- keep, stay hands off now. No more NPS or uh, no more um, NJR, no more um, RTG, whatever. And we're going to create more. Um, so I I, I, I I fudged up some of those acronyms, but like we get rid of NTG. Now we just have a C team and it's on the clubs to create these scenarios now. And, and there, I, I, there's a more of a uh, provincial team format coming out, right? Where we'll have an Eastern, a Rocky Central and a Western. Put more emphasis on those groups. That's been my understanding of the new direction without the D team. Well, I know that's and that's also been a, a large piece of why Brand, Will Brandenburg went and took the job with the Western Region is because he wanted to see that come back more. Mm-hmm. Because there's more, there's I think he 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 thought he appreciated the that there was more camaraderie, more community sense of community when you did that versus having the national the governing body and then everybody else. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, and for for that matter, the the Western region is coming at it with a wicked chip on its shoulder right now, and I, I love it. You know, there, there's there's an attitude that Will's bringing to the table that the athletes are embracing of just like, hey, we're going to go out and kick ass, and we're going to prove, reassert that the Western region is the best region. Yeah, and then I think it's a pretty exciting time at that junior level, and if with Will at the helm, and we could really take this somewhere. Well, I, I completely agree with you. And I think that there is there's just, you know, you're getting passionate, the right passionate people in the right positions and giving, letting them have some ownership over it. Um, because that's that's prob- that's how we got probably how we got there to begin with. You know, I mean, this that, this thing was never it was never like, oh, ski racing makes a lot of money. Let's let's start investing in ski racing. Ski racing never made money. This whole thing is America doesn't ever ever since the 40s. This is this thing has been a, a pure amateur sport. Unless you are the you know the guy at the top, you know you're mm-hmm. you're grinding it out every single all, all the time. So it was like 
these coaches and these and, and um, these people who just solely believed in individuals that got behind them and helped push get that people following their dreams or 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 you know riding the, the tails so that they could get there or something like that. So I mean, in a lot of sense, we this is the way it's always been. So now are we just embracing that more now? Um, interesting. Or am I, am I just, am I just like gagging on something that's just always been floating in the air for, since the dawn of time? Well, let me give you a a real, a a real life situation of what we're looking at right now. Let's get the real Um, world. I was down in Chile and Lindsay Vaughn was down there training with the men and she was skiing around with an entourage of four or five people, every run, every slip run, camera crew following her, everything. Her own U.S. ski team coach there. Go into the um, the fondue dessert place, and there's Michaela Schifrin and her whole team, right, sitting there, you know, five or six people, including her mom, including her physio, Mike Day. Um, and then there's the men's speed team that are down there with two coaches, and it's the whole group. So there were three American teams down there with a group of men and two individual women. And I, in my mind, like, where is is that where all the U.S. ski team money is going to individual entourages? And at what point do we say, okay, you're a star, you want to train on your own? Well, go pay for it. No, I think I'm thinking that, that in a lot of ways that 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 has been a model, and I also think in a lot of ways, um, I, I think a lot of Mike Day's salary comes from the Schifrin's. I think they're the ones who are starting to fund. It's kind of like Bodie and Team America in a lot of ways, but and, and but I keeping hope that it is the way because it's the only way that seems fair. Well, I definitely. I mean, I think that the, you know, I think it's 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 really exciting, and it, and it makes me feel pretty good that you know an Americans an American can make a living off of being being a ski racer. But I do agree with you when when they're them being as the absolute best they can be does take away from funding in other places. I mean, you know, we're talking about athletes that make, you know, seven figures a year and we don't have 20K to send the world junior team over. Seems kind of wild, right? Well, we also don't have any of those world junior athletes allowed to train with Michaela and Lizzie. Hmm. You know, she doesn't. She's not taking anybody under her wing for sure. Right, right. Well, I think Michaela's young enough to where you know she's got to focus on her own deal a little bit. But I can't see where Lindsay's experience doesn't allow for, let's say, Jackie Wiles to to train with her for a couple of weeks. And who knows? Maybe that's oh. actually maybe that's happening. I think that is one of the bright spots, right? Isn't Lindsay taking Jackie under her wing with that support? Um, uh, what was that? There was a scholarship that she set up that Jackie. Oh yeah, that's right. There you go. Yeah, and, you I, know, I mean, there's there's some little things going on, yeah, um, but, but I, I do know that there was a couple of years ago where Lindsay was training GS on her own course in Copper, and then there were 14 U.S. ski team girls training GS on a course next door. Is that good enough? <laughs> One versus 14 on a course that seems a little, you know. <laughs> Well, after after run three or four, you've got uh, you know you're essentially running bib sixty something, whereas Lindsay's still running bib three or four. So I think 
you know, Linz, Linz doesn't have to worry about ever being less than bib 32 or something or bib 30. So, uh, you know, I guess I could see the point there. I think one thing that I've always, I, I think that I've really liked about Ted is that he's always kept his program with, with the national team. You know, st- I really appreciate that about him. Absolutely. You know, I think guys like Tommy Ford right now, um, RCS, those guys are all, all right there in the thick of it because still after all these years, because, they still have the opportunity to be around one of our best skiers of, in history. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Joe, uh, I guess that's just the that's just what's, what. What do we take away from this? We... I don't know. There's a lot of questions. <laughs> I think we it still just... seems like a lot of questions. I do think though that the positives are that we are recognizing uh, the, the colleges. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been saying it for a long time that that's an avenue that was really being underutilized, underexploited by the ski team. So I think that's a positive thing. They're moving in that direction. You know, there are ski team criteria that if you're an All-American out of college, you go on to the D team. Now the D team turns into a regional team, but that's okay. You're still getting recognized and still being put on the radar out of college. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a great thing. Um you know, and, and then after that, I don't, I don't totally know. I, 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 as a coach, am still curious as to what our direction is. Joe, I think the direction is what it's been for a while, is that you've got people on the ground floor that are as passionate and, and are in love with the idea of helping athletes become the best that they can. And that's what's going to keep driving all of this, whether, whether the governing body gets involved or not. And I think it's the same way around the world. And, you know, money, <laughs> and you see, money's out there. Money's out. Uh, unfortunately, you know, that's another, uh, that's another topic we could discuss is what does this, ta- this new tax code do for uh, funding ski racing? Because the write-offs aren't the same anymore. <laughs> do you think the U.S. ski team got, got, uh, got thought about in the new tax code? <laughs> I think that I think that at some level someone's got to keep start sweating it because now all these people with at the top with the with the dough are like, well, I guess it's not as much of an incentive to write it off as much anymore, uh-huh. you know, because that's what I mean. That's effectively a good standpoint or a, a great tactic to have is if you need money, go find somebody that's that's looking for looking for a write off this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, before uh, before know. we get into another episode, uh, we'd like to thank our listeners for uh, tuning in to another episode of Peace Stop with James Taco Totkus and Joe Dunn. Joe Dunn, uh, we are the official podcast of Fantasy Ski Racer and the sport of ski racing. Um, we really appreciate your loyalty and you tuning in to hear our banter. We hope uh, you got something out of this, and we'll look forward to giving you more of that uh, sooner than later. Uh, we'd like to make a correction. It was, in fact, 40000 that the World Junior Team needed to crowdsource for that event, um, not 20000 as mentioned in the episode. Uh, we appreciate your empathy on this, uh, and thank you for your understanding. <laughs>